Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Experiments Web Clinic Audio Replay Podcast. Marketing Experiments is an internet marketing research laboratory. The web clinic you are about to hear was broadcast live to an international audience of marketing professionals. Sign up to be invited to future web clinics, as well as gain access to all of our online marketing research at marketingexperiments.com. Welcome to a Marketing Experiments web clinic. We'll be starting momentarily, but first let me provide you with some helpful information. If you've logged onto the call properly, you should be able to hear my voice as well as see the first slide of our presentation right now. Do know that we have a team standing by to help you with any audio or visual problems you may have. The conference today will stay in lecture mode throughout the presentation, so please feel free to contact us through the question and answer feature provided by GoToWebinar. Also, you can contact us through Twitter using the hashtag WebClinic. One final note, after today's call, the video replay of this presentation will be made available in a week through marketingexperiments.com, so be on the lookout for that. Thank you for attending this web clinic today, and we trust that you will find its content valuable. And with that, I will turn it over to Dr. Flint McLaughlin. All right, good afternoon or good morning again, wherever you're out in the world. We are back for another research briefing. Uh, I appreciate all the hard work that went in by the teams as we prepped for this. Today's going to be different. You know the topic. It's crafting an engaging email message. We're going to focus on one laser-like point. I will tell you this. Uh, we're probably going to try to correct the single most pervasive mistake on the Internet when it comes to email design. And if you can learn this, uh, you will likely be able to avoid 80% of the problems that we see as email are designed or campaigns are planned. Now, we have an overwhelming amount of people who've registered for the event, far more than we can fit on the line. So try to stay on. If you log off, you probably will not be able to get back in. Once those 1,000 seats are taken, I think we have 2,500 people trying to get into 1,000 seats. So uh, just kind of stay with us so that you can get the full, uh, you know, briefing today. Furthermore, I have something different than normal. Often there's a teaching segment. Sometimes there's a teaching segment and live optimization. Today... We're going to try and get a long session for live optimization of the emails that you have submitted. So I'm going to teach less on the front side, but I am going to try to teach what I think is the most important point. After that, let's see it in practice. Uh, I want to begin, first of all, by uh, pointing out that we have a winner on the call. Some of you have seen some of the case study. Uh, part of it has been put on our blog, and in a few minutes I'll be announcing the person who did the best job of selecting uh, a comp and giving us good reasons why they chose that particular treatment, the audience were shown uh, two different versions of email. And we're going to show it to you in just a moment, you to vote, so get ready. The split so far is about 50-50, which means at least half of our audience <laughs> needs this clinic. The other half better know a good reason why they chose their 50%. We often see uh, that there's a huge gap between true results, and what marketers often predict. We'll learn more about that in just a few minutes. So let's just kind of go forward. Uh, you can tweet about this uh, using hashtag slash uh, or hashtag web clinic. And, uh, you know, a lot of you can comment, give us questions, feedback. We're monitoring that live and integrating your comments and your feedback right into the way we present. You might say we're doing live optimization on our own clinic. We do it every time, adjusting the pace, the rhythm, the amount of experiments, 
uh, and uh, the length of, uh, say, an optimization session based on the feedback we're seeing here. I am joined today by two speakers um, from our team of analysts and scientists. John Powell, who's been with us for a number of years and is a research manager engaged with some very, very high-profile, significant research projects. And uh, uh, he's wearing uh, a lovely toupee. And uh, we are, <laughs> we are, for those, <laughs> for those of you that don't know what that's about, you need to listen to last week's session where we talked about optimizing my head. And uh, on the, underneath uh, on the photograph is Adam Lapp. And uh, he is with us today. You've seen him on a number of clinics. He's a senior optimization manager, one of the leading experts in our lab on optimization techniques. And uh, both of them are going to help us as we look at the emails you've submitted. So let's help you get a win, and let's learn transferable principles that we can all apply to all of our emails. All right, that's enough to get us started. Let's move rapidly into the first case study. It is Test Protocol 2006-3 from our library, and uh, it is about a, a financial institution offering a quarterly newsletter for business leaders. These emails often feature a single white paper download. The goal is simple, to increase click-through while not diminishing the conversion rate of the download option on the landing page. So the research question, and if you've taken our, our course in online testing, which by the way is being uh, completely redone now, you may not know this, but we've completely rewritten the email uh, certification course, and you can order that online, and uh, I don't think we've actually promoted the fact that we've spent so many hours rewriting it with the latest research. We've tested now a billion emails, and you can, you can participate, take that course live, and hear us teach in the same format that you're used to, and get certified as um, you know, an expert in the field. In the meantime, uh, this is a single, we call it single factorial, that's the actual technical name, uh, but it's A-B in a split test. Here is version A. Look at it carefully because in a moment I'm going to ask you to vote. It features a detailed overview of the free guide offered for download. This is, by the way, from one of the largest financial institutions in the world. We can't tell you the name. That's why it says logo at the top. For those of you that are sharp studies in marketing, that's actually not the name of the company. That's our attempt to anonymize. <laughs> The organization. The, it has a headline, which is a, an approach that we often talk about being so important. The intro paragraph, four key points of value, the white paper. It is already, this version and the next are, I would say, superior to most of the emails that we see. I would also suggest that the group here has many of their students, this financial institution, have been through our certification, our training programs. Uh, and have learned a lot about optimization. So this is going to require you to think. This is version A. This is version B. Email version B features the title, the first three paragraphs, an actual segment from the article, and a call to action. So take a look. You have version A, and you have version B. We're going to open a poll and we're going to ask you to vote. And we want to see how well you do, so we're tracking this and you'll be able to see how the audience votes. Is it version A or version B? If you'll look on your uh, interface for this event, you'll be able to vote. 
The votes are coming in right now. And I'm looking right now to see when we have, uh, you know, validity. It's rare to have this many marketers gathered at any one time in the world anywhere. So we have a, a remarkable way to get interesting information. And our audience is continuing to vote. I'm going to let it stay open for just a moment longer, uh, Austin and team. 83% of the audience has voted. Give me that last bit. 84. When we hit 85, we're going to close this thing. So if you haven't voted yet, bingo. Close it. All right. If you'd like to see the result of your votes, let's just see what the poll shows us. Go ahead, Doug. So we have 69% in favor of version A, 31% in favor of version B. Interesting result. Let's go to the data. Notice carefully, there's no tricks in the way we presented this. But 70% of the marketers on this call voted for the wrong treatment. Version B produced 85% higher uh, increase in downloads. So what happened? Why did this occur? What made version B so much stronger than version A? That is the principal question. And it's something that... Uh, we need to understand as marketers because, candidly, you can't test everything. We opt for testing as much as possible, but you cannot test everything. And look, the large majority of our audience, unable to test, would have selected the wrong email. And you might have even thought it was successful and not even been able to detect that it was underperforming by 85% compared to a different approach. In fact, I'm going to go backwards. Let's look at the two emails. Let me give you a bit of comfort. Version A looks better than version B. Version A has a clearer eye path. Version A um, has a headline that's not so bad you can immediately determine that it's worse than version B. Version A certainly looks easier to understand. Why did version B work better? Well, the reason is difficult to detect, but it's based on a simple principle. In fact, if you go back and look at version B in more detail, version B featured the title and the first three paragraphs of the actual article and the call to action to read more. Now, what's going on here? What's happening is in this thought sequence, you know you've heard us teach this over and over again, you do not optimize email or web pages you optimize thought sequences. In the thought sequence, what has occurred is that the bridge between a description and the, the actual experience of the download was shortened in version B and the audience was able to visualize what they were going to receive. They came far more qualified to click through on the download. And that makes all of the difference. Never promote an offering that you don't make it, that you don't enable your audience to visualize, prospects to visualize clearly. And while you're thinking about that, we want to also announce, as we promised, that we showed these two emails side by side earlier, and we had a 
a visitor to our blog, vote, and then give the most, um, we think, uh, effective reasoning for their vote. That's Ives. Can I pronounce that properly? Y-V-E-S, and I don't see a last name. Is that the first name? That's the first name. And um, is it DeclaraDance.com? Is that where they're from? Okay, DeLaraDance, D-E-L-A-R-A-D-A-N-C-E. If I pronounced it wrong, that has to do with the fact that it's very difficult for me to read. Uh, I only got a fourth grade education, and then Austin can't write. I'm telling you, the boy, the boy has handwriting like a doctor. Um, all right, so, so we, we, we want to congratulate, we want to congratulate Ives on, uh, on winning, and uh, you get a free certification course. That's the full certification, and uh, just contact us, and we'll help you. Get set up so you can register and take it online. All right, so I promised today to try and help you understand how to overcome the number one obstacle to producing emails that convert at um, a higher or more effective yield. Let's learn that principle right now. Here it is. It's the first of multiple principles we teach in our courses. The objective of an email is to get a click. Now, before I read any more, you've got to understand that that statement has no potency until you understand what the objective of an email is not. In most cases, not in every case, but in most cases, the objective of an email is not to sell a product. The objective of an email is not to register someone for your event. The objective of an email is not to generate a lead. The email's job is to communicate to someone just enough information to get them to go to the landing page where somebody can wait far more effectively present the offer than they can in the body of an email, probably being read inside of the browser and probably being read with images on or off and, and competing with thousands of messages and spam and issues that are all interfering with the possibility of you giving the best possible presentation. So, if an important guest is flying into your offices for a meeting and you send... Uh, a limo driver to pick them up at the airport and bring them back to the office so that they can meet with you and your team can fully present the great offering, you wouldn't expect the limo driver to try and sell them on the way. The job of the limo driver is to get them to your office where the team is far better prepared to actually present the offer. Same thing on an email. If you think about it, one of the reasons our emails underperform is the same thing for our paid search ads is that we are, we are confused. We conflate objectives. Marketers will conflate the purpose of an email message with the purpose of the landing page. If the goal is to get a click, then avoid overselling your offer in the email message. What happens when you do that? You give them just enough information to rule out your email. Listen, people don't read their email full of eagerness and anticipation, excited about the next message in their inbox. They read their email in order to eliminate all of those items they don't have to pay attention to. They have a negative disposition when they start reading your email. They're looking for an excuse to hit the delete button. If you give them enough information, you help them make the decision too soon with an inadequate presentation. In most cases, you've got to get them to your landing page, which brings me to something else not in the notes, but I'd like to remind you of. The goal of an email is not to send them a magazine ad either. 
Most of the emails we see look like catalog pages and, and magazine ads. Email is a form of communication. It's not a display medium. I'll say that again. Email is a form of communication. It is not a display medium. You should talk to people in the email like one person talking to another person and give them a reason, just enough reason and no more, to come to your landing page. So you are selling in your email, but all you're selling is a click. Get them to the landing page and then do the job well. Now, I have one more slide about this before we get into live optimization. We want you to help to understand when your email might be missing it. To do that, I'm going to take you forward. You can see the diagram. It kind of lays this out well for you. And we're trying to keep you from conflating objectives. Conflating is a philosophy term. And it's used often by people discussing Wittgenstein and perspicuous clarity. And I'm a for by training. And uh, I looked at the next, this next slide <laughs> just before I got ready to teach. And, and I noticed that uh, Austin, who you probably have heard about before, wrote, you might be conflated if. And I said to Austin, it sounds like a stomach problem, Austin. And I tried to get him to change it, but he was insistent <laughs> on it. So um, let, me, let me carry on with his, uh, his high-impact headline. You, you, you might be conflated if, by the way, if you have not used that term in marketing, it's a great term to take to your next meeting. Just look very steadily in the eye of the person who's opposing you when you make an intelligent optimization suggestion and say, excuse me, but I think you're conflating objectives. You can win just by using vocabulary like that. So keep that in mind for your next marketing duel. Uh, your email says exactly what's on the landing page. You might be conflated if your email says exactly what's on the landing page. That's absolutely true. Or if your email takes more than 30 seconds to read from beginning to end. In most cases, long copy is a wonderful thing, by the way. Not a negative thing. But in an email, it's typically a negative thing. Sometimes a long copy landing page is far more effective than a short copy. And if you haven't tested that, you should. But it's almost a sure bet that if your email's too long, you're losing opportunities. Number three. You might be conflated if your email looks and feels just like a web page. But that brings me back to the winning treatment. Those pages could be written better. That page can be beaten again. We showed you a control. We showed you a treatment. We showed you a test that got an 85% gain. There is greater lift to be had still by optimizing the look and feel of that page. Number four. By the way, if you're wondering what I would do in my next test, I would treat that page as if or almost as if it were light to plain text in a simple note with an excerpt from the, from the port, report. You might be conflated if your email has more than one central call to action. How many emails? I don't know how many we'll see today. Over and over again, we look at emails with multiple calls to action. The more you multiply options, the more you slow down the conversion process. There is a relationship, an inverse relationship between the number of options and the speed to decision. And the speed to decision has a lot to do with conversion rate. Make it easy for them to choose. All right. That's the teaching segment. I have tried to confine it to a very short period of time. This allows us to take the balance of our time together and focus it on live optimization. Before we go forward with that, 
Um, talk to us in, in uh, Twitter. Tell us what you're getting from this presentation, how to help you in the future, other things you'd like to hear about, and uh, share with your colleagues what's happening right now uh, as you start to see the live optimization unfold. Let's go forward with the first submission. This is uh, given to us by Kathy. The objective of the email is to get people to click the link and watch the video. You can see the headline, Times Trades One-Step Appointment Scheduling will revolutionize the way your reps set sales appointments. Empower your reps to get more sales meetings without ever leaving Salesforce. All right, so there is the subheader. Then we're hit with uh, this, uh, apparently a video, or a link to the landing page with the video, and, uh, and then the body copy. I'm going to turn it over to John Powell, who's going to give us uh, a bit of commentary as one of our analysts on what might be done to improve this particular email. Thanks, Clint. Um, my first concern really is about the objective. Um, I, I spent six years in videography, and it's really hard. You're going to have to have a, a superior video in order to actually get somebody to stay with it for the entire time and to do what you're asking them to do afterwards. So uh, I just want to say on the objective alone, it's I would be very careful about making that your objective because you're putting a lot of weight on that video instead of something that's much easier, has less friction associated with it. Um, but, you know, assuming that the video is superior and assuming that, you know, it is something that, that's going to really help uh, qualify the lead and get them to sign up, then the first thing I would do, um, just one good thing is, is that even though you can barely see it, there is a play button on that picture. So, um, but there's one thing that you definitely want to test is that you could actually see the play button on the picture. The next thing that I would like to suggest to test is a more newsworthy headline. And why do I say newsworthy? Well, it sounds like this could be some great thing that nobody's aware of. Well, if you write it in the way that somebody writes a headline in the newspapers, then what's going to happen is you're going to attract them. You're going to get their attention faster. So maybe something like new, time trade one step reduces resource cost by X percent. Or, you know, re you know refer to a case study, something like that. Another thing, too, is, um, and this is something that we've, uh, I've also tested with research partners, is the actual screenshot of the video. Right now I see a guy with the Salesforce.com logo, and I'm not sure, you know, if I'm looking at something for Salesforce. Um, if you were to show a screenshot, maybe of a comparison of the time trade method versus others, um, and it could be any screenshot from any portion of the video. There are 30 frames per second. You can pull any one of those off, and you put that there and hit the play button. Even without reading any of the copy, just the headline, that screen could give them just enough interest to that play button to get the click. I want to jump in right there. What John said is, is very important. Often we start our, our we, we don't pay attention to the first frame of the video. The first frame should be so intriguing that people have to click to see what happens next. Pay close attention to the first frame. I would also add to this because we're watching our time. Your, John's point about the headline is very good. Beware of two things. Never talk to people with a voice in your headline that you wouldn't talk to somebody that you just met in the bar after work. Uh, if I talked to you and told you that if you connected with me, I was going to revolutionize your life, I probably would chase a girl away. Um, talk to me in a way that makes sense. And, and the, the, the subheader, empower your reps to get more sales meetings without ever leaving Salesforce, is actually a better headline than the green text above it and could be the basis of a stronger, more effective headline. Um, John, we're going to try to do lots of live op, so keep going. 
We're going to go faster now to pick up the pace. We're going to try to help you today to uh, get as many of these as we can possibly get. Actually, um, and, and that's really the only other thing that I would add again is to, in terms of the format too, you want to make this really easy on the eyes. You want them to be able to easily see the headlines, see the screen, and go right to the call to action. All right, good. Let's move on to the landing page with this email. And then I'm going to show you these two side by side. And let's quickly optimize the, the group together. And if, uh, Kathy, you're online, and I assume you are right now, be sure to, to get all these suggestions and send us the page and the email. And we'll make a comment on these, and then we'll monitor your test afterwards to see how this helps you. For the rest of you who say, well, I'm not in B2B or... Uh, I, I have a different kind of issue with my email. What we're looking for is transferable principles. When we help Kathy, we want to help 500 more of you just by learning the application to the particulars. So you should take away the importance of the right headline. You should take away the importance of making sure a video starts on an interesting frame. You should take away the importance of making sure that this email, and I think it probably says too much already, in order to get them to the landing page. It looks a lot like a landing page. Now let's focus on what happens when you transition from the email to the landing page. And if you're in the audience, the first question you should ask is what should they expect to see when they click from this email to the landing page? Because if they have a disruption in the sequence of thought, they will use the back button on the browser to get clarity and you will lose them. John, go for it. If the objective was to get a click on the video, then the first thing that they should see is the video playing. Okay? You know, their headline should match. You should be able to, again, continuity between the steps. Two quick things. Um, if Dr. Flint, he's going to say it if I don't, it's that big uh, submit button at the bottom. And uh, I'll let him go on his, uh, you know, on his saying for the submit button. But really, and the other problem is that there are two calls to action. If you, if you look at that, you've got the call to action in the middle, which schedule now, and then you've got a submit button. Uh, which one am I supposed to do? And, and really, there's no transition. There's very little transition between the video into what you actually want to do next. One other thing that I would test is a two-step process. Most people don't have a problem giving their first, last name, and then email address, but when you start asking for phone number, you start, you start seeing a drop in conversion rate. And so what I would almost do is set up a second page after that where you say, and now, um, you know, uh, how else can we contact you or, you know, think through it and then collect their phone number. And if you you're going to have two sets of leads at that point. You're going to have those who just given you the minimal of information, which you could remarket to, and then those higher quality leads with the phone number. That's a good job. We're going to keep going and we'll try to learn as much as we possibly can and squeeze it into the hour. This is Submission 2. While you're absorbing Submission 2, let me just point out that on Twitter, we discovered that Erica Rowe uh, just uh, said that this is her first correct answer in a Flint session. She was at the Marketing Sherpa email uh, event, and she learned a bunch of principles, and she applied them, and she got it right. Congratulations to Erica Rowe for uh, getting smarter every single session. In the meantime, um, let's move on to the next comp. This is an email submitted by Jennifer. The context is simple. When someone enrolls for one of our debt relief products online, there are a series of emails they'll receive depending on where they are in the life cycle. Also, someone begins online and does not complete an enrollment or calls in and does not complete, we email them 30-something afterwards, 30 hours afterwards to get them to re-engage, let's suppose. So, uh, Jennifer, stand by. We're going to try to help you and help the entire audience. And before I go any further, I want the audience to go to the chat feature and then you optimize the email for Jennifer. So, I'm going to watch. Use chat to tell us your suggestions. Multiple sessions are going to be giving advice. 
we'll listen to them, and then I'm going to ask Adam Lapp to give us uh, some expert advice on this particular email. So here we are watching them, and, uh, and uh, they're coming in so fast. Four calls to action. Absolutely right. That's a mistake. Has more than one call to action. Very good. Here's another one. Uh, too many calls. You're learning, people. Uh, poor design for free, uh, pre-pain review. That's an important point. The banner is a mistake, someone says. It's too busy. Create only one button to click. Um, again, multiple calls to action. And uh, no headline. Uh, too many background colors. All of these are ideas. Keep them coming. We're going to read them as they come in. And we, we go through hundreds of these. They help us understand what the audience is learning. Uh, your input is, uh, is very good. And I think, uh, Mahesh, you said something very, very important. And you've been paying attention today. You said it looks like a web page. Good comment. All right. I turn it over to Adam Lapp, who's going to talk about the email and help us all uh, learn from it. Go ahead, Adam. Sure. So this email is definitely conflated. Uh, <laughs> <the> audience, <laughs> it sounds it, like a medical condition. The, the audience hit the nail right on the head with <clears throat> one of the most glaring issues with the, with the email is that it has multiple calls to action. But even beyond uh, an issue of quantity, uh, it, the, the call to actions are very different from one another. Click this call, start my enrollment, or listen to testimonials. You know, three very, very different actions that you're asking somebody to do. Uh, so I would definitely simplify this. Uh, use uh, your right column and uh, your testimony as support rather than a diversion or a distraction from what, what you're really trying to get the person to do. Uh, as well as having different call to actions, uh, the iPath for this particular email is, is going to cause a serious site flow disruption uh, within the thought, thought sequence going through. Uh, what you want to ideally do for when you're sending this email out is to engage somebody with the copy, with the letter format. I mean, that's, you know, that's why you have that salutation, dear Natalie. Uh, instead, I'm probably going to skip directly over that copy and go directly to the large orange uh, call to action with uh, what you know, is uh, clearly visible as a, an iStock photo that says click the call. So, uh, immediately, I'm um, straying away from what you want me to do. So I'm going back and forth uh, and uh, seeing all these call to actions before I really know what the email is all about. Uh, the testimonial on this page, or on this email, uh, could probably be better served on the landing page. Testimonials are, are typically a tool that we can use to mitigate anxiety. And there's not a lot of anxiety on an email. All you do is you click and you can go back you can scan up and down. So there's not a lot of uh, anxiety or concern I'm going to have for clicking on the email. So you should probably use that where your form fields are, where your login is, where that final action is to uh, complete my enrollment. And the last thing I would say for, for this email is that uh, there's not a lot of value being exchanged for the decision you're asking me to do. Uh, you, you say, um, you know, this is the last step. Well, that's not valuable to me. Uh, creditors require this information. Well, I don't care about the creditors. And then you tell me I can save thousands. That's a little bit ambiguous uh, for me to, to give you my time and give you my effort. So I'd, I'd um, although somebody's been through the process, they've seen some value points pro probably before if you have an effective sales process online. Um, this may be days or weeks later. So it's uh, probably an important idea to, to re-remind them of uh, the value that uh, they're going to get by clicking through. You need to start the email over completely. You have the right idea. It says, Dear Nadia, it's a letter. Make it look like a letter. 
Um, not a series of boxes and squares that are interrelated. It's like six different banners and four calls to action. The good news is uh, it won't be hard to optimize your conversion and click through here and get a significant lift and impress your whole marketing team with significant results. So go to work on that. Let us take a look so we can help you. Some of you, let me just warn you, you don't want to optimize your email. You want to just take it and somehow and, and, and quietly destroy it and start over. All right, so we go on to the landing page. And I'm going to put it side by side with the email. Just take a quick look at it in the audience. Boom. Adam, move fast on this so I go to another submission. Sure, so this landing page isn't necessarily a bad landing page. You definitely don't want to make this process more difficult than it has to be. So a simple login um, is, is very appropriate for, for a landing page such as this. One recommendation I would make is, you know, this person is not a member and you have member login. So maybe a better... Uh, more conversational, welcome back type of type of headline. Um, also, continuing continuing on with that, since they are not a member, they may not readily know their username and password. Uh, so you may want to, if you can, have that information in the email so they know it right away. They can enter it right away, and they don't have to search from an email from weeks ago to see to see what it is. Um, and then also, I think just being crystal clear about where they are in the process, how many steps are left, what's needed to do. Um, and, you know, besides that, you know, I think it's a pretty, pretty simple, straightforward email. And, uh, and uh, look at the button. Does it promise value in exchange for the click? If you've been in our clinic about value proposition, which was just two weeks ago, you can go back and learn about the design of the button. It's a bad button. And it'll be easier to get more people to click if you promise them something like get instant access now. Whatever it is that... that they want needs to be tied to their click on that button. And I would emphasize what Adam said, the headline. There is no headline. It says member login. There's hands on a computer. It doesn't do anything for me. We need a much stronger value prop around this request for action. The clinic on value prop, uh, you can go to the marketing experiment site. Go in, you know, it'll probably be on the home page or, you know, go to the archives. It'll be a recent clinic. Search for it and it'll teach you how to get those, those uh, pieces correct. I'm on to the, the email that I know you wanted so desperately to see. Amazing deals. This could be, why? It could be the most significant opportunity of your life. You get a chance to participate in amazing deals, and there's more. There's lots of amazing deals. Right? If I sound cynical, it's on purpose. I'm not trying to entertain you. Uh, the reality is your audience is cynical too, and you've got to be aware of that because the tone of this message has a lot to do with its credibility. I'll turn it over to John Powell. John, go for it. Thank you, by the way, Nikki, for this uh, submission. Uh, it, one thing I want to really point out that was actually in the notes is that the overall objective of not just this email but the landing page as well is to cross-sell to existing customers. That's really important to remember. Um, and now when I look at this page and I'm an existing customer, I think of Howard Dean and his famous moment running for the presidential candidate. Yeah, you know, amazing deals. It's this great and wonderful thing. And I'm immediately like, no, delete. Um, it kind of looks like an ad that I would find in the newspaper, really. When this is going to an existing customer, um, some of the good in this that you can take out of it is the fact that it is a limited time deal. It ends Friday, but you don't see that until you squint and look right above shop now. And also, you know, the fact that it's supposedly hand-picked. Well, I, I'm going to suggest actually throwing this away and starting over but I want, and focusing mainly on the fact that this is like a customer loyalty deal. Headline, customer loyalty, special deals, or something related to them being a loyal customer. This is a hand, these are hand-picked 
offers just for existing customers, and it's going to end on Friday. Um, you know, and then a call to action that says see these special offers. You know, and it could be, and you could actually uh, point out over 50% off. These are the kind of offers that you could see just for existing customers only. Click now to see what they are. Um, and that landing page just looked like a category page that anybody could access. What I would rather see is a special non-public page just for existing customers that have all the different, again, special deals just for them. These are, you know, with this is a these are 50%. They end on Friday. We appreciate your business. This is how we're gonna say thank you. John is so right. The email has the right idea. It even has the name of the person at the top. But it all looks like an ad. An email is a message. It's a message. It's a message. It's a message. An email is a form of communication. It's not a display ad. So you need to you need to talk to them. You need to have a subheadline <coughs> on the email <coughs> above the name that says uh, Amanda Angel uh, for existing customers only, like a colon. It needs to be like the inset of a letter. And this is not the subject line that's in the actual email, but it's a subject line in the body of the email. Then you need to have the Dear Amanda Cole new paragraph. This email is being sent to you because you are one of our uh, prime uh, customers. And give them a reason immediately, first line of the email, why she's getting it. Then let her know that she's going to be able to get 50% off and explain to her that you've put together a customized package just for her. I bet this whole email could be a paragraph long and get way more click-through. And drive her to the key page. And then, as John said, have a landing page on your website that's greeting the special... It can be the same product. It can be part of your website. It's not that hard to build, but it should be custom to the campaign. And uh, it should feel like this is for them only because of uh, her being a preferred customer. All right. Good point. On we go. This is a completely different looking kind of email. This is Concordia University. It's submitted by Rick. It's lead gen. We've done a lot of work recently helping universities uh, with uh, their recruitment process, uh, particularly using Facebook, Rick. But let's look at this particular email. All right. I'm going to resist the urge to optimize. I want the audience to take a quick look and tell me how you would improve this email. We're going to just take 30 seconds. Send us your thoughts. Uh, eyes hurt. More compelling header. No value proposition. Um, overwhelming text. I'm looking at Jeff saying uh, no headline. Uh, Rob saying what uh, master's education link. Not interested in reading it, says someone else. Personalize it, says Craig. All right, there may be an idea in here that, that even we missed. So uh, let me shift over to... Adam Lapp. Sure. So just to expand on a point uh, an audience participant uh, said was it's too long. Well, I would say to that, just imagine if this is in your viewing pane, and if you have it set up where it's a third of your screen, that what once was a, a four-line paragraph is probably now a 12-line paragraph that uh, you're forcing visitors to digest, to, to go through, to read. Uh, continuing on with that, the, uh, the bullet points, um, you know, because there's so many of them, because they're so lumped together, they almost seem like another paragraph I have to eat or I have to digest. And um, instead of uh, you know leveraging the power of bullet points the way they were designed to be small, quick, uh, easy to digest points, these kind of it's uh, inside out and the opposite of what a uh, a list of bullets uh, should convey. Uh, the other audience participant said, uh, "Headline is a question," and so I say. 
Why a degree from Concordia University? Exactly. You know, tell me, you know, tell me the most. And they click away. Yeah, tell me the the most pertinent information about the university, about the degree. You know, your headline, the same on a landing page as it is in an email, is your largest font on the page. It's the first thing visitors see. Uh, so it's your first opportunity to complete that handshake, to to introduce yourself. So I, I start off with one of your best points, in which you can get from the, from your bullets, which are you know a master's degree in, in under a year, or you know, on your own schedule, or increase your salary by 15 percent, you know, immediately after getting your degree. Um, even the even the sentence, the third sentence says, "Earn your master's education online from one of the nation's best programs on your schedule." There's a headline. It's buried three sentences in. Uh, but your 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 Adam is right in that the greatest mistake you're making right now is you're communicating too much information in the body of the email. And in fact, the goal of the email is just to get a click. I'm going to take you to the land. Do you want to go to the landing page, Adam, or do you want to go back? I just have one more point. Yep. Um, and if you look at the email right before the call to action, not only is there more information, there's very detailed oriented information that I really do not need to know to make my decision to, uh, to click through. Uh, just give me the high-level stuff and, and on the email, really stay away from those detailed information. Now, if you, if audience and Rick particularly, if you're doing lead gen, we taught a short program in Sawgrass, and somebody from, well, I tell you, the New England Journal and, 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 and the university there came to the event with a lead gen form for a master's program. We did live op, just like we're doing now, with them. They went back and got a 300% increase in conversion rate and leads. Huge lift. So pay close attention now as we look at the landing page to try to help you. Well, I would say this landing page probably fails in the same way that I see most lead generation landing pages fail. Um, you know, they, they you know start off, they do a good job communicating value, um, you know, within the body copy, within the headline, and then all of a sudden uh, you get to the form and there's no more communication of value. Uh, that's what we call congruence, where the whole page supports your value proposition. And so I would say to this that Concordia University has its own value proposition. It's A, it's B, it's C. Uh, whereas the form also has a value proposition um, that is very, very different from Concordia University. It's, it's what are you going to give me for filling out my information? Is it a 20-page packet? Is it a brochure? Is it a description of all the course materials? Is it a, a 24 callback from a guidance counselor that's going to walk me through the process of applying? Um, it's important to not let go of their hand as you're walking them through the web page and continue that as they get to the form so they know exactly why uh, I'm filling out the information. Adam has nailed it. Um, what's happened is we completely drifted off the most important piece. You ask me, you simply have a form that says request information. Then you ask me for an enormous amount of, of personal content before I have seen enough value to justify asking for that much from me. And when it comes time to click the button, it says submit request, which is horrible. In fact, one of the worst words to use in marketing is the word submit. I've said it to you before. It's like fall on your knees before the lords of marketing and admit that we've defeated you with our amazing offering. You, uh, you have been crushed yet again. Tell me that you're going to send my free 24-page report. We need that kind of clarity. So keep that in mind. And uh, there's a lot more about this. The good news is this form is underperforming by at least half of its potential. With less form fields and a clear value you're going to promise in exchange for the information, 
you can see a dramatic increase in quality leads. And I would just add, there is one more hurdle that you're going to have to cross, uh, you know, for this email is, is, you know, for information which can be published via email on the next page, downloaded immediately on my uh, computer. Why do I need to provide you with my address? And so, uh, a test idea I would recommend for that is in your headline for the form, say, "Tell us where to send your 20-page packet." So they immediately understand that, oh, they need my address to be able to mail this to me. Excellent. All right. We're going to move on. Audience, would you please use, uh, uh, I guess for this case, either Twitter or, or, or your chat feature to tell us right now, or maybe the question and answer feature, uh, if this is the right pace for you and if this is helping you. We're getting ready to shift now to another series of emails, and you'll be seeing those. I want to make sure that we're serving you as best as we possibly can. We have just uh, nine, 11 minutes left, and I want to get every single... Excellent. Okay, this is good feedback. Excellent. Okay. All right, then let's keep going. I'm going to move to another, uh, I'm going to move to another email. While I'm doing that, I'm just going to rapidly answer a couple of questions. Someone said, should we use plain text email rather than HTML? I like light HTML even when I try to do the plain text look. That way I can get more data about click-through and about their interaction with the email. But most email has far too much imagery far too disorganized in its eye path, and less is more as a general rule. And um, there's another question from Aaron Bolshaw. Aaron, if I can't get to this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post it on the blog or have it posted on the blog for you with an answer about it in just a little bit. But for now, we'll keep going. Now, I say a little bit. I don't mean we'll post it today, but within a reasonable period of time, we'll try to answer it if we can't right now. Let's look at another, let's look at another submission. Here's a new submission, 50flowers, is that the name, .com. It's an email. All right, audience, we're going to let our team go right to Optimization Direct so that we can get as many of these crammed in. We're trying to get more right in the last minute. I'd like to, sh I'd like to get as many emails as we possibly can between now and 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. That gives us 10 minutes. John Powell, rapidly tell us uh, about this. I'll tell you, as the audience, Marina submitted it. They want to get sales. Specifically, the promotional items that are uh, advertised in the email. Go ahead, John. All right. Well, I'm, I'm about to contradict one of your rules about images because I learned something from one of my past research partnerships. In some cases, imagery is incredibly important. Absolutely. We had one research partner that had their own photo lab just because it was that important. They took their own pictures. Well, right here, that's one of the biggest flaws, okay? You've got a 10% off sale. It's Valentine's Day. So does everybody else. But what is it that you have that's on sale that's better than everybody, what everybody else has on their shelves. And apparently, you know, the, one of the good things that you have is that you have the credibility down there uh, of, from the brides. But what I want to see is, is what you're going to give me. One of the big problems that I see right here is those don't look like finished product images. Those just look like stock images. And if I'm, excuse me, if I'm a man searching for something on Valentine's Day, I don't want to think about, I don't want it constructed in my mind by reading the text. I want a complete product. I want to see exactly what it is I'm going to get and then click on it and then go right to the product page. Another thing that, that I would debate putting on here are prices, okay? Because if they could see immediately that they can't afford it, they're going to delete the email. But if you show them something with the value and you say, look, you could have all of this plus 10% off, I want to see how much it costs. Click. And then you could actually get exposed to all of the value related to the product and to your service prior to them eliminating you uh, from all of the different emails that they have to go through. And um, I just want to talk about the landing, the, the landing page limit, too. There's a lot more on this email, too. Uh, John right. is being 
uh, sparse so we can move on. I mean, you, you go all the way to the bottom, and there's no call to action at the bottom of the email. Right. And as it is right now, you have four or five calls to action. It should be one call to action where you can go and see an order. You don't need all those buttons. You need one call to action at the bottom of the message in a clear, shorter message with a much stronger central visual. Let's keep going, John. Landing page. And if you're going to feature one product, go straight to the product page. Don't take me to another category page. It looks like I made no progress at this point. I want to go straight to the product that I selected, and I want to purchase it right away. That's one of the biggest problems on here. And, it's, and again, I want to go if – if you're going to show me more than one product on your email – and you want to show me what's new, what's grand, take me straight there. Don't make me click again or give me another reason not to click or distract me with all of these banners on the side or whatnot. Centralize the focus, streamline the path so I can go straight to conversion, claim my 10%, and get exactly what I'm looking for without having to go to the store. Excellent. Let's move then on to a new one. John made a very important point, and you may be saying, yes, but what if they want a different product? You don't want those products equally weighted like you see on this email. Feature the main product and give them a small link to see other products, but keep that out of the core central messaging. Keep them moving. Make the decision time fast. All right, we'll go to Minnesota Lawyer. This is an email sent. Uh, the subject line is Get the Golden Key. Carol submitted it. We're sending out to our free daily email readers uh, an attempt to convert them into a paid subscriber. So they have a Minnesota Lawyer newspaper that has a subscription, and they want to help uh, sell subscriptions. And so let's look at this completely different kind of email. If you've been paying attention to all these various designs, this is something dramatically different than what we've looked at, and yet it has uh, implications for all of us. Adam, go ahead. Sure. So th this email uh, you know, disobeys one of the you know, cardinal sins of, 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 of selling your offer, and it is the cart before the horse. You know, you're, you're telling me that I can sign up for a free trial, and you know, by the way, it costs two hundred and ninety-nine dollars. You know, after my free trial expires. Well, the first question I'm asking is, what am I signing up for? And what you really want to do for this email is is uh, lead in with the free trial, and then clearly explain what that free trial includes, and then try to get the click. I would never have, as John said, I would never have price on this email. Uh, that that's something that's going to take clicks away immediately. You, you can have price on the on the landing page, but definitely not on the email. Um, you know, and, and, and one other thing, if we look at the, uh, you know, the subject line, you know, unless you're in a nurturing program and you know your customer, you've talked to them on the phone, I'm going to ask, what the heck is a golden key? Um, you know, you, you really have an opportunity there to get a lot more clicks if you convey just a little bit more value than, than a simple message, get the golden key. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, at the very least, you could say save 36% off the newsprint size. The, the newsstand price, if indeed you needed to mention the potency of an offer waiting for them, and then give them a reason why, you know, because because they're a valued reader in another part of your publication, because of their membership in the you know in a particular organization, motivate this savings. Give them the motivation, give them the savings, and then give them an urgency factor that requires them to respond rapidly. The urgency would be better promoted in the email than just on the landing page. What they need to know is that they have a limited time to respond to a remarkable offer that's being sent to them for a very good reason. That's what has to be communicated in this email. When they hit the landing page, then it's time to convert them. And I say this gently, and Adam and I only have a few moments left, but the landing page uh, completely misses it. 
Yeah, number one, I'm clicking on an offer to get a free trial, and you do not see free trial until you scroll down and you're ready to click the next button. Uh, you need to lead off of that in the headline. You need to say, start your free trial. Set up your free access right away. Um, and another thing I would, I would try on this page is to uh, create a, a – right now it's a two-step, uh, but your first step is, is really uh, long and detailed. If you're going to do a two-step with payment on the next page, uh, get the minimum amount of information to capture email and name on this page, and then go to the payment page. Um, and also, we know that the people are not subscribed because that's the reason they got the email. And so you're wasting a lot of space on that right column, you know, asking somebody if they're already a subscriber. You know, that space can be utilized for, you know, your risk-free cancel at any time language. It can be utilized for testimonials. It can be utilized to just reemphasize the part. And I think your thought sequence is completely out. Because basically you're, you're relying on this to have sold me, the email to have sold me, which is the wrong thing to begin with. It's what we talked about at the beginning. The goal of the email is to get a click. It's like calling a girl up, asking her on a date, for some reason, she says, yes, that's the click. You show up at the door with a white limo and a wedding ring, and you're, and you're ushering her down to the altar. She's not ready for the altar yet. It's out of order in the thought sequence. First of all, she's got to decide that she likes you. And we're going straight for the close with no bridge in between. And you certainly can't take a girl you've never met, call her up on the phone, give her all the reasons why she should marry you, and then expect to show up at her door next week with a doggone white limousine and, and, a, and a wedding ring and a honeymoon. That's what we're doing in the approach. And I use these simple illustrations because they talk about the way humans interact around value. This is core philosophy. It's just easier to see it in relationships that we're familiar with than, say, in the landing page. But it's the same problem. You've called her up on the phone. You're trying to do the whole job on the phone, trying to show up at the door and with the ring and the honeymoon and the preacher. Big mistake. Back up. Just get her to come to out on a date with you. That's what this next page does. Talk to her. Build relationship. When she's ready, you present the offer. Once you've presented the offer, you've done it because you've already, you've already followed enough of the thought sequence that you know she's ready for you. I proposed 24 years ago. I did everything I could to optimize that experience. And I wanted to know I had a yes before I actually asked the question. I was trying to stack the odds in my favor because my wife of 24 years was a very beautiful girl and I was ugly and just an academic. And I had to do something to help myself. So, um, uh, speaking of which, uh, Adam Lapp is still single, ladies. He's been single now for all these years, and we're starting to worry about him. I think he's starting to lose his hair, and it's beautiful hair right now. You should act. This is the urgency factor. You should act now while there's still time to have the fully-haired-headed Adam Lapp. All right, so. I offer a free trial. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. All right. But I, I, I'll tell you this, um, I had a question, I'm going to end with this question. And it comes from Jeff and it says, why can't an email be an ad? And Jeff, I'm going to tell you, I can't answer that question in the 60 seconds that I have remaining, but I can tell something important to the entire audience. And that is that when we say something like that, it's based on patterning a series of experiments. In this case, over a billion emails that have been tested, 10,000 paths that have been tested, Rather than simply talk to you like consultants with an opinion, we have a meta-theory that we push into a series of tests to validate, and then we, we extract a methodology from it, and then we push it into practice, and then we test it over and over again in business environments. And so right now, as we're preparing emails that go out all over the world for various things, we're testing, and what we've discovered is that emails that present communication as opposed to a one-way kind of ad interface as a general rule 
outproduce the others. There are many reasons why. I can't teach them now. But please know when we make that kind of a statement, it's being based on all of that research. I, I was uh, doing, I was on a very uh, confidential call today with, I can say it was with Google, and we were talking about our methodology. And I realized as I started talking with him that we've been doing this research now for 20 years. Hard to believe that. Uh, we published our first report 10 years ago. We're still learning. Keep telling us what you discover. Keep growing our community so that we can all learn together. If you haven't had the email certification course, I want to say this to you right now. Please don't just hang up just yet. Our time's almost up. But understand that I don't have a big upsell. We don't make a lot of money on the email certification course. Our high value here isn't to hold a clinic so we can sell email clinics to you or email certification courses. It's never been represented 1% of our overall income at the, at the research laboratory. But I actually believe it will help you so much. Um, you ought to go there and consider getting the training. Also, if you want us to come help you, this is a significant part of our business, help you actually get your email right and work with some of the teams of the scientists and set up your own miniature R&D lab with us to perfect what you're currently doing. That's what that partner's link is about. Click there and talk and to help. Thank you, and we look forward to uh, the next uh, experiments and the next clinic. Thank you for listening to this recording of a Marketing Experiments live web clinic. You can sign up to receive invites to future live web clinics, as well as receive access to $10 million worth of Internet marketing research at marketingexperiments.com. Thank you.